Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, good morning, everybody. Mechanical Bulls. Come on, ladies. Give it up for the Mechanical Bull. I want to be here for that. I want to see Sheenite and the Mechanical Bull. That's going to be something to see. It is good to be in the house of God with you today. And uh, come on, you are wonderful. Look at somebody and say, there's no you without wonderful. Look at somebody sitting next to you that you ignored and say, don't forget, I'm wonderful too. I just... I just want you to know you were fearfully and wonderfully made, and I'm so thankful for you and so thankful to be in the house of God with you. If you look around, obviously this service is pretty, pretty full. It's a wonderful service. This is a wonderful, a wonderful hour to be alive and come to church. But can I ask you, maybe there'd be another wonderful hour at uh, 9 a.m. It's a wonderful hour. And, uh, and then the, the uh, noon uh, hour is a wonderful hour as well. I, obviously, you can see this, this service is f- filled and uh, our, um, our 9 a.m. is getting full. So I if you're new to our church, I'm not asking you to, to move to another service. You're like, man, I just came. I'm just a visitor. And so I'll ask you that next week. I know next week I'll, I'll say it again. But uh, you, your family schedule might not allow for it. But let me just kind of make a, a pastoral plea. Uh, this is obviously the most popular service for guests and people checking out church. And uh, man, we're so thankful you're checking us out. If you can, if you can make a family commitment, say, you know what, we could probably make 9 a.m. work, and, uh, and then, um, or we can make noon work. Uh, let's, let's see if we can do that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and commit and take names down right now. Um, but uh, I'm, just, I'm just giving you a plea from my heart for that, that it might be, if, it's, if you're able to do that, it'll make more room for people to come and uh, hear the Word of God and make this their church home. We're going to finish this series today uh, out of uh, Matthew 25. We're talking about being devoted. And uh, I'm just so thankful that Jesus took me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. Anybody ever been stuck in something you couldn't get out of? Come on, miry clay, it's hard to get out of. Any, any parents ever went to one of those foam pits and dad, you couldn't get out of that foam pit. You had to have your kid pull you out. You know, I've been in those foam pits. I'm so glad Jesus pulled me out of miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and gave me the word of God, which is the rock that gives me stability and strength to be the man of God I'm called to be, to be the father and the leader. And it's the word of God. It's the rock of God. And so I'm gonna give you the word today. Uh, I got a lot of ch- verses and I just wanna give some insight uh, to this passage. Many of you have probably heard this passage of scripture. Uh, it's the parable of the talents. And um, we've all been given a talent by God or talents by God. And, and so in, in the thought of being devoted, I want to talk about being devoted to the talents God's given you. Being devoted to the, the giftings and the callings he's given you. And uh, week one, we looked at being devoted to, in the scriptures, the word devoted could actually be an addicted as well. You were designed to be addicted. Come on, I don't know. I ate two Oreo cookies last night. I'm confessing right now. I'm addicted to double stuff. They were double stuffed. It was a small pack. That's why I only ate two. If it was a big box, I'd have had more. But it was just a little two-pack, a little lunch pack, a little snack pack. Had two of them. I'm addicted. Uh, and so um, I, I uh, am addicted to other things as well. You are designed to be addicted. Some addictions get uh, very unhealthy. Some aren't. But the reality is God knew you would be devoted to something. And so in this series, we've been saying, let's number one, be devoted to God's presence. You, you, you can't starve an addiction. You have to feed something else. 
Because whatever you feed first, you crave next. And so, so you can't just starve something to get what you need to get. You need to feed something that's first, that's right. So we want to feed our calling to God, our devotion to God, our addiction to his presence. And I can't get up without getting in his presence. I can't get up without getting in his word. I can't get up in the morning without putting my hands in the air and praising and saying, I need your presence today. I don't want to scroll Instagram and Facebook before I scroll the ancient text of his word. I need that. It's breath. It's life. It's bread. I need it, right? I, I, being addicted to his presence. Uh, last two weeks ago, we talked about being addicted to the altar, being devoted to the altar of God. That This is an altar. It's not a platform. It's not a performance. Uh, this is an altar that, that we've gotten rid of the altar culture for decades. Satan for decades has been trying to destroy the altar of God. We looked at a king named Asa that tried to alter the altar, but the altar, the word of God, the foundations of God, God's truth are meant to alter us. We're not supposed to alter the altar. And so many of us, we go about our lives and we alter what God's word says to fit our life when our life is supposed to be altered to fit into his word. And so we looked at being devoted to the altar of God. And then um, last week, we looked at being devoted to people that are different than us, being devoted to the Samaritan woman that Jesus had the longest conversation with and that he talked with anybody in the whole Bible was this, with this woman that, that hated him and that his, his people hated. There was animosity and there was prejudice and there was divide. And Jesus shows us how to cross over that divide and be devoted to people. Because here's what happens. Romans, Paul says that who can separate us from the love of God? And then he lists a bunch of what's can famine, sword, nakedness, peril, pestilence. No, nothing. He says who, but then list what it's weird. What Paul is saying is most of the what's that you're frustrated in your life come through the who's that usually it's a person that brings the frustration. If we don't know how to separate those, we're going to hate the who instead of battling against the what and believing against the what. And so we looked at being devoted to the Samaritan woman and uh, just people that are different than us. They might not agree with us. They might not see the same uh, picture or landscape we see when it comes to the Bible, but we can give them the truth in love. We can give them the reality without condemnation. We can speak to them like Jesus did. And so this week, I want to end on this, this uh, parable of the talents. And um, I think it gives us some great insight into God's heart for each of us that we'd be devoted to the next step, really just the next step. What's the next step in your walk with God? Well, there's always a next step. What's the next step? Is it, is, it, is it going to plugged in class? Is it signing up for a connect group? Is it serving? Is it giving? Is it tithing? Is it forgiving? Is it witnessing? Is it a new job? Is it a dream? Is it a book? What is the next step for you? I don't know. God has a next step. This is what it says in Matthew 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. This is what the kingdom is like. Uh, a king, the master, a man, Jesus, he's talking about himself, went on a long journey and called his servants and gave his wealth to them. He gave his wealth, his wealth to them, his, his wealth. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, at once. Everybody say at once. Went at once, went at once. There was a next step at once. He went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will make you in charge of many things. This has given us a picture of eternity. 
what, what the Bible says is that in eternity, you and I will rule over cities based on how we ruled on this planet. We're not just going to sit on a cloud and strum a harp. We're going to rule over cities. We're going to rule and reign. And, and first and foremost, on this planet, have you, Jesus is coming and putting his feet back on this planet. He's going to set up his throne in Jerusalem, in Israel, as a real king dominating a real planet called planet Earth. And your and my job is going to be to go out and rule over cities and clean this planet up with the king's enforced rule while we're here on Earth. That's going to happen before the new heavens and earth. But this has given us a picture that we will actually rule over how we've been faithful. So, so some will rule over one city, the Bible says. Some will rule over ten cities. And so you get allocated how you rule and what your lot is based on how you handle your time here on this earth. It's a picture of the kingdom. Come and share your master's happiness, he says. The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Come on, talking about how we're faithful and I'll put you in charge of many things. Some of you are complaining about all the things you have to do. Do you know that, that a per, the, the reward for hard work is more hard work? Stop complaining. Like, you did a good job. They just gave me so much. Yeah, because you can handle it. Because God knows you can handle it. Like, it's more hard work. <laughs> Come on, preach somebody. Thank you, sir. I mean, here's the, here's the thing. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you the Bible. Can I do that? Yeah. So it, says, it says you would be entrusted with more. His master said, well done. Come and see, enter your master's happiness. Verse 24, very important. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came, master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, I was fearful, I got fear in my heart. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. Everybody say gold in the ground. I hid your gold in the ground. See, here, here it is. Here's what belongs to you. He must have, he must have gone out and dug it up. He, he, he wasn't. He wasn't lazy. Jesus says in a minute, you lazy, wicked servant. He wasn't lazy in the sense he went and dug a hole. He went and worked. He went and figured out where the gold was supposed to go and where it was. And he dug it and he worked hard. He was lazy in the kingdom. He wasn't lazy in life. He was lazy in the kingdom. Kingdom life. Jesus says, um, you, you shouldn't have done that. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you know that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that you would have returned and I would have had an interest or received interest on my money when I came back. Verse 28. Here, here's, here's important for you to get. This is, this is totally counter to what all of culture teaches. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one with 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more. I hate that they have so much. I hate that they're wealthy. I hate that they... All the rich people, all the people that have, no, 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 scripture, Bible, take from the one that has nothing, has little, and give to the one that has an abundance. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and he'll be thrown into outer darkness, gnashing of teeth, and sadness. What Jesus is saying is that this is counter to culture. Producers are rewarded. Non-producers are punished. When I say punished, I don't mean like, I don't know about the end of that scripture, like gnashing of teeth and all that. I'm not going to even get in that today. I don't know what that is. Uh, I can have, I can guess, but, but let's just rewind before just, just 
In our culture, we want to reward non-producers and punish producers. This is a whole text, countercultural, that, that God's saying, if you will produce, if you will work, just, and it's not about how much you've been given, just even the, the small, the one talent, two talent, five talent, that literally, that God's given you and I a talent to use to produce. My title is this today. I've got a lot to preach to you in a short amount of time. Gold in the ground. Gold in the ground. You can, you can have a second title. Jesus isn't a gold digger. That's the second, that's the second title. Jesus ain't a gold digger. Let me pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the talents you've put in our lives. Help any of us that have buried talents today because of fear or whatever it might be, that we would dig them up and that we would begin to use them. Help any of us that are producing to produce more and to continue to be faithful so that we can enter into your reward and we can rule over what you've called us to rule over. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Gold in the ground. I'm gonna give you a, uh, it's be a strong message today, very pastoral. Just, I, I, I gotta give you the truth. Um, I, I just, I'm not here to give you fluff. I'm not, I just, we're just gonna be, I just gotta give you the real word of God, right? I can't, sometimes it's not as popular, sometimes it's not what everybody wants to hear, but I have to just do what God's assigned me to do today. And um, I think um, gold in the ground, it's, it's really uh, interesting. You've ever been to the beach and seen that one dude with the metal detector out there? Y'all all got a picture of him right there, right? You know, socks up to his knees, like, boop. He's out there, it's 95 degrees, got a sweater on, you know what I'm saying? Like a big old hat, protecting He's got, boop, just walking around, boop, boop. Family over here, kids playing, making sandcastles. This dude's just like wandering off on the beach, just looking for treasure. I, it frustrates me a little bit. I'm like, dude, you're out here in the middle of God's treasure, like all the creation, the ocean, the beach, the sand, kids playing, family, and you're over here, boop. Missing all that. And, and look, I get it. It's maybe a little side hobby or whatever, but it just frustrates me. I'm like, man, you got all of God's beauty and all this wonder around you, and you're going to be looking for treasure in the ground. I began to research like different people that are treasure hunters and like, you know, the metal detectors they use. And there's one dude from England. Uh, it says that he uh, found something that was worth $500,000. He found something that was worth $270,000. And he actually found something that was worth $1 million, whatever the treasure it was. Um, but they asked him, and he always gets the question, what's the most expensive thing you found? or what's the coolest thing you found or the most valuable? And his comment was, uh, I found all these things, a million, 270,570. He goes, but really, the best finds are the things that people have lost, uh, personal items of value that I actually found and recovered and gave back to them, things that they never thought they'd get back again. It's amazing. Like, they were so excited and just the joy. He said, I found three class rings. I found one wedding band. I found two military dog tags and were able to return those to people. And just the joy of people that had lost something and, and seeing it gotten back or been given back to them. That's amazing. Hear me. That's amazing. And you're going, oh, and, it's, and you're going, ooh, and how sentimental. Ooh, and that, I get that. Like, that's real. If it's something that you've lost, but the story here, Jesus has actually given these men and these women, we don't know, servants, he's given them this, this treasure. And one guy goes and buries it in the ground and then goes and digs it up and brings it back to Jesus. And he's going, Jesus, aren't you, ooh, aren't you happy? Like, oh, like I found, the, the, I found what you gave me. Jesus says, I never lost that on you. I left that with you. Many of us act like Jesus lost his treasure on us. And that when we produce something or give it back to him, it's like, aren't you happy? Like we go dig it up. Can you imagine going to your 401k manager or your stockbroker or your banker and you go in to pull a withdrawal from your 401k and they say, let me get the metal detector out and find the map where I left and lost it last. 
You're going to get rid of that investment manager. You're going to get rid of that, that person that's handling your finances. What's happening in this story is these, these, this, this one servant, two go and produce. One wants Jesus to be happy because he buries this stuff in the ground. Here's what, here's what Jesus gives these guys. One guy gives five 75-pound bags of gold to. It's worth $9,362,000. One dude gets $9,362,000. One person gets two bags, 75-pound bags of gold. It's worth $3,744,000. And one guy gets one 75-pound bag of gold, and it's worth $1,872,000. One servant brings back and gives Jesus back $18 million. One servant comes back and gives Jesus back $7 million. The third guy pulls out a metal detector. Boop. Boop. <laughs> oh, aren't you happy, Jesus? Here's what I buried. Jesus goes, I didn't lose this. I, I'm not happy. I left this with you to produce. I put this into your life. And the reality is this isn't just talking about money. This is talking about eternal opportunities. This is talking about money and talent and treasure and your time and your mind and your creativity and your giftings and your, and your day-to-day life every day until you see Jesus. This is talking about weightier things than money. This is talking about something that's eternal weight in our life and that how do we handle and how do we use this life on earth? A kingdom parable, talking about the kingdom, that you and I only get this life to use these talents. When we get to heaven, it's perfect. When we get to heaven, we don't need to use them. All the gold is there. Everything is there. Everything's perfect. Down here is how we use our talents to glorify God and to give him credit and honor and glory to expand his kingdom. Every one of us have these talents. As Jesus is saying to some of us, me included at times, you've buried it. You've buried it. I remember years ago, we have a big industrial kitchen over here, giant, bigger than most restaurants that we do our generous house feeding out of. We feed, I don't know, thousands of pounds of food per month. Like thousands of people per month get fed food and diapers. It's not a small thing. Thousands of people get fed because of you and your generosity in our church and service, 150 people serving and there's lines and people getting food and people being prayed for it's not, it's easy to just get used to the things that God's doing sometimes when it's happening amongst you. But, but like when it first started, we had this big, I was going and we, we didn't have any food line going yet or any food distribution. And I said, well, let's just make it storage. And we started to make that area storage. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me audibly and corrected me. He was like, he goes, I mean, I heard him speak to me, not like audibly, but like in my head, uh, voices in my head from the Lord. Um, he said, he goes, you, he goes, you, he goes, you, I gave you a, I gave you a freezer, an industrial sized freezer. You don't think I want you to do something. You think I want you to use that for storage? Are you dumb? <laughs> you know, like, some days, Lord, thanks for being my leader, my guide, you know? And so, and so we began to pray and figure out how to turn that into a, you know, we, we've jumped through all types of hoops and tried to get, you know, in leadership and people serving it just, it didn't just happen, but we began not to just hide the talent. And so those have, there's things in your life that God's given you and deposited into your life that God's saying, I want you to use for my glory. Here's some reasons why we hide gold, why we put gold in the ground. Number one, we believe wrong about God. We believe wrong about the master. We believe wrong. This guy believes wrong. He says, master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. I knew you were unkind, Jesus. Harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you did not reap. Wait a minute, didn't, didn't you just give me $1.8 million? Didn't Jesus just give this dude a 75-pound bag of gold? Anybody that gives me $1.8 million of gold, I'm going to call kind, loving, joyful, generous. I'm not going to call, call a hard, unkind man. 
We, we read this and we don't, we don't read any further into it. We just take it at face value that this dude was right. No, he wasn't right. He was believing a wrong mindset about his master, about Jesus. Jesus is everything altogether good. There's no wrong in him. He does everything well. And, and sometimes if we begin to believe wrong about him, we begin to act wrong. He says, you, you, you gather where you haven't sown and, and where you haven't, you reap where you haven't sown. Like he just sowed. It doesn't even make sense. He super spiritualizes the scriptures and twists them to get his own way to justify his disobedience. How many times do we super spiritualize scripture to justify disobedience? He's like, well, I'll pray about that, pastor. Oh, you're going to pray about getting on a serve team. There's some things you don't have to pray about. You, you don't need to pray about serving. You need to pray about where to serve. He's talking about tithing again. Let me just pray about that. You don't need to pray about tithing. You don't even need to pray about how much to tithe. It's 10%. How's what tithe? What's a tithy? You can't even say the word. A tithy. It's a tithy. No, it's a tithe. It means 10% of your income. Is that before or after taxes, Pastor? God wants to be first before FICA. We, let me just... I just don't have, I just don't have peace about it. Can I, can I just say, you don't need peace about anything that's inside of the 66 chapters in a book called the Bible. You don't need peace about it. You just, you, if it's in there, I got peace about it. You just need to pray. I, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. He's unkind. He's ruthless. He's going to expect something from me I don't have. He's going to expect something from me I can't do. I had all the time. I asked people, hey, would you want to do a video? Would you want to lead a group? Would you want to tell your story? I'm just not a camera person. I'm just a little shy. I'm just not good in front of people. Well, what if it's not about you? What if it's about somebody else? Well, I just don't, I'm just scared to witness. I'm scared to share my faith because I know if I share my faith, they heard me cuss last week in the break room, so I can't tell them about Jesus this week. That's all right. We've all done that, right? It's more powerful when you say, hey, I know you heard me cuss last week. Be honest about it. Put it out there on the table. I know you heard me being crazy last week, but Jesus working on me this week. There, there's power in that. There's power in your vulnerability and honesty. Let me, let me say this. Jesus never expects a resource from you that he didn't first provide for you. That's the very definition of resource. It means it's a source that's reused. It's a, it's a resource. A resource always has a source. He's my source. Everything you have is what you need. I just want to encourage you, don't bury it. Wrong thinking about God leads you to burying it. Here's the second reason. You believe wrong, so you bury second. It says, I was afraid. I believed wrong. You were unkind. You were, you were going to want something from me I couldn't give, so I was afraid. Fear leads to you burying your talent. Just being scared, like, like, I'm afraid. I'm, a, I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid of what's God going to think of me. When Sierra asked you guys this morning to have God speak to you about what the Father thinks of you, some of you have such negative fear and such, such harsh words that you think God thinks of you. Can I tell you, when God sees you and thinks of you, he only sees Jesus. He doesn't see you. I mean, he does, but he, he sees Jesus. He sees the blood of Jesus. He sees the obedience of Jesus. If you're not in Christ, yeah, he's seeing that sin. Sin separates from God. But if you're in Jesus, he doesn't see sin anymore. It's separated. It's paid for, past, present, and future. You should walk strong, head up. You're as perfect as you'll ever be in Jesus. It's him. 
And that we need to understand that identity. Don't let fear creep in. Don't let fear grab a hold of your heart. They bury it because of fear. I just, I just want you to know that you can, you can be bold with all the things God's asked you to do. I don't know if I can, I just, does that make sense? Like sometimes we just decide like, God, I can't do all that. I don't want to be fearful of God. I don't want to think God is going to judge me or come down hard on me. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in God is kept safe. So there's these snares of fear in my life and in your life. Here's three snares of fear. So fear causes us to bury the things God's called us to do. And then, and then number one snare of fear, procrastination. I'm just going to give you some practicals today, and I got some principles to give you. Procrastination. When you get afraid, you begin to procrastinate. I'll deal with it tomorrow. I won't have that conversation. I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't wanna talk about it. I'm gonna cover it up. I'm gonna bury it. I don't wanna deal with it. Anybody ever had a bad dentist experience? Come on. I had a, I fear the dentist. So I go about every two years, like, we missed your six month visit. I'm like, I'm on the two year plan because I'm scared of y'all. Scared. And, and then there's other problems because I don't go enough. It's, it's fear. So procrastination, we begin to procrastinate. Whenever my kids had something they didn't want to do, they'd procrastinate, make excuses. I don't want to. Uh. Exodus 8.10 says this. Pharaoh speaking. Got to keep the context. There's frogs all over Egypt. God has put frogs in. Uh, frogs are in Pharaoh's bed, it says, everywhere. Pharaoh said, Moses replied, it will be e- e- as easy as you say. Pharaoh said, tomorrow, Pharaoh said. Moses replied, it will be as, be as you say so that you may know that there is no one like God on the earth. Basically, Moses said, Pharaoh, when do you want the frogs out of your life? I give you the power to say it. Pharaoh said, tomorrow. It's the dumbest statement in the whole Bible. I'm going I'm to sleep with the frogs one more night. That's what, that was the reality. And, and a lot of times we decide we're going to deal with it one, one, one more night. I have friends down in the front row. They do marriage counseling. I heard their podcast. They got a great podcast. They, they, they're like, how many people just are going to deal with a bad marriage? One, you know, one more day. They won't, well, I'm not going to invest in it. Or I'm going to deal with this one. I'll live like this one more day. No, no, no. I, I'm not going to procrastinate because of fear and bury what God's asked me to do. The second thing that we get scared of and we, we have a snare is perfectionism. I'm gonna wait till it's perfect. I'm gonna wait till I'm gonna wait until everything's perfect. Because what if I fail? What, what if I look stupid? What if God's mad at me? What if I disappoint them? Again, it's all about you. Can I tell you that perfectionism is rooted in pride? Me. How do I look? What's that gonna look? And do you know that pride is rooted in fear? Pride is rooted in fear. Like I wanna, I gotta, I'm a scared, and so I wanna begin to. Wait till things are perfect. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. It's not about me. It's not about you. And the third snare is good intention syndrome. Good intention syndrome. And so I'm just, I'm just giving you a real talk today. Like, like sometimes we get, you know, hey, I'm going to procrastinate. I'm afraid. And then when that happens, I don't know about the cost. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't, I'm, I'm, afraid. I, I'm a little bit nervous. So I've just, I've got, I'm going to go with good intentions. Like, this is what I'd like to do. How many of you? Are, are intending to spend more time with your family? How many of you are intending to write that letter to the person you need to write? How many of you are intending to apologize? How many of you are, are you intending to start that gym program? 
How many of you are intending to, be, uh, intending to begin to try to live holy or right or get some accountability or go to go get counsel? I mean, there's just so many things that we sometimes intend. And I'm just gonna be honest with you. Can I tell you, intentions are worthless. They're worthless. And we love to judge ourselves on our intentions and others on their actions. That's how we do it, right? We all can do that. But intentions, it's worthless. We have actions. That's the point of this parable. Jesus is going, what did you do with the talent? What was your action? What does it look like? I, want to in, I don't want to just intend to join a small group. If you're a part of this church and we're, we're, you're plugged in here and we're going somewhere as a church, what is the story of heaven going to look like when we all stand before God as a church, as a family of God in this community? What did we intend to do or what did we do? And I think it's important that we say, okay, God, we're going to use it. We're not just going to intend some things. Here's some principles. I'm going to give you five quick principles. Number one, principles from this parable, kingdom principles right now you can take it for your life. Number one, principle of preparation. This entire verse, this entire talent parable is about preparation, that life is preparation for eternity. Everything in your life is prep for eternity. If you don't begin to understand that, you're going to be unfulfilled and unhappy every day of your life. You're going to wonder why you go through hell and why you've been through ups and downs if you don't know that it's preparation for eternity. Any football players in the room right now getting ready to start football season? Where are my football players at? Come on, guys. Right here, got front row. Awesome, dude. Anybody else? Anybody else? other football players in the room? Any other athletes in the room? Any sport, sport athletes? Okay, yeah. Anybody else? Put them up high. Come on, somebody. All over the room, different athletes. And, and, and when you are an athlete, you go to practice, right? You have practice. And so you understand practice. What is practice preparation for? The game. How miserable would football be or any sport be if there was never a game? And you went through practice, got beat up, and went through the heat of the days, and had to run two-a-days, and had to run lines, and had to do suicides, and had to do push-ups, and had to do burpees. I heard a guy right here in the back, someone told me this morning, he did 949 burpees nonstop in Market Square last night to prove uh, to a group of people, I wish I was there, that, that, that you can overcome challenges. 949 in a row. He wanted to do 1,000. Went to the hospital, got IV, and he's at church this morning, somebody. I don't even know what my point was, but I'm just talking about <laughs> preparation. He had a CrossFit shirt on this morning. And I was like, is that just a t-shirt or do you do that? You know, and he's like, eh, went to the hospital last night. He didn't tell me that his buddy did. All of life is, a pre is preparation. Every, every challenge. It's not meant to just be happy and easy and float through and just least resistance. No, you're preparing for eternity. Write this down. What you do with Christ here on earth determines where you spend eternity. What you do for Christ here on earth depends how you spend eternity. So where and how are two different things. And so I want to spend my life having a heart for eternity as I walk through this planet. The second principle, principle of ownership principle of ownership. Verse 14, again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them and entrusted his property to them and entrusted his property to them and entrusted his property to them. Can I say this to you? You don't own anything. None of it's yours. I'm telling you, I'm freeing you up today. Some of y'all are mad at me. I know. None of it's yours. None of it's mine. Well, I earned that. Well, I worked hard. I went to college. You don't know how hard I sweat. You don't know how hard I work. You don't know the sweat, blood, tears, pulled myself up by my bootstrap. Let me ask you one question, ma'am. One question, sir. Who brings the rain? Who, who brings the rain? 
Well, you, you don't know how long and what I've earned and what I have. Who brings the rain? You, none of it's ours. We're just holding it for the master. It's his property. I'm fine with the boat and the vacation and the nice. I'm fine with all that. As long as it doesn't have me and it's not first and I know I don't own it. You don't own it. I'm about, listen, some of you have so much anxiety because you're trying to protect your car from a scratch. You're checking the stock market every 32 seconds. You're, you're, you're trying to, you're trying, ah, what are our kids going to do in this world? You think you own everything. You're like, ah, and you walk around just so upset because you think it's yours. You think you have some control over it or you got some, I mean, check the market every day. What are you going to do about it? You're going to complain. You're going to talk to your buddies. What's up? It's down. The, the rich man, the poor, ah. Here's what's what's freeing. When I don't own it, I'm like, my car breaks down. God, your car's got trouble. (laughs) If I feel a little sick, God, your body right here. I got to do something tomorrow. I got to preach tomorrow. Lord, your body is sick a little bit. I need, God, those stock market, that's your stock market. I just... I don't own it. It's his. And so I want to steward it well, take the pressure and the anxiety off of you and off of me to be set free. God, this is yours. Principle number three, the principle of allocation. This is important. Verse 15, it says to one, he gave five to one, he gave two and to one, he gave one. Here's the importance that you and I need to know. Eternal opportunities are not unlimited. So often we think that we just have an unlimited chances of witnessing or giving or loving or serving or joining a team or doing this. It's just unlimited. It's easy to think this is unlimited. These are not unlimited opportunities. How many times have we missed an opportunity in the natural? We didn't ask forgiveness. We didn't ask them to marry us and they got away. We didn't say sorry and they passed away. You know, I, I don't know. We didn't buy Google. We didn't buy Apple stock. Come on, somebody. We, you know, how, many, how many opportunities? But it's the same in the spiritual how many times do we get to tell them about Christ or witness or invite them to church or, or, or pray for them or hear a word from God and share something that maybe God's put on? How many times do we get to, to do that? You know, you go to the grocery store and you're like, God, if you want me to witness to them, I know you said so, but put them right in the checkout line behind me with the same brand of bread, God, just put the same brand of bread. And they're right there. You're like, okay, God, if they're parked right next to me in a blue sedan... There they are. They walk right up by you. Okay, 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 God. If they roll their window down and ask directions to their house. It's just over and over and over. We don't get that many opportunities. And this is Jesus saying, look, what you do down here, don't regret it. Like use the opportunities with your marriage and your children and your family and your money and your time. And it's just, there's just opportunities. You ever met a parent that gives their kid unlimited opportunities? One, two, they got little hellions running around. Three. Can I be honest? I don't know how you spell that. Helions. They're helions. Little rugrats. Little bad kids. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Got the little auctioneer going on. How many times your kids will obey? Like, like that's the kids are crazy. Why? Unlimited opportunities. But when you know I got a few opportunities, mm, I I begin to live a little different. 
I began to go, oh, 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 yes, yes, dad. Yeah, father. Yeah, I got you. I know. I'll turn that, I'll turn that freezer into a food bank. I know it'll cost. I know it'll cost our church four or $5,000 a month, but we'll feed people. I, I know it'll cost energy and time, but we'll, yes, dad. I know it's not, I know it's unlimited. I, I just, the, the principle of allocation that you and I get a limited amount of allocated resources. I love the fact that those guys grew it though. Five became 10. You can grow your capacity. Two became four. You can grow. That's why we can't bury because God wants us to grow. The next principle, the principle of accountability. The moment we hit heaven, we'll learn about the principle of accountability. Jesus said, I came to get back what was mine. It's all his. And then you and I will be accountable. As a father, I make my kids accountable. I inspect their work. I look over it. And God, when we enter his gates, he's going to look at us and go, hey, you're accountable. And it's not going to be fearful. It's not going to be dread. It, it might be if we bury it. He might be frustrated if we just don't use it, if we don't do what God's called us to do. Like, God, here it is. I give it back to you. I'm accountable. I'm accountable to you. And the next thought, the last one, the principle of use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. He went and he said, hey, the one that didn't do anything, I'm taking it. And I'm giving it to this person or servant that produced. I just want to ask you to dream big for God. To begin to use it. You know what it is that you have, what gift, what talent, what calling. This church, this is the house of God, where God wants you to serve or plug in. No, don't let fear creep into your heart. Or just, God, I want to use it. I don't, I don't want to lose this stuff. Dream big for God. Believe big. What's your next step? Believe big. There's a book in you. There's a business in you. Some of you have been complaining about your job for the last 10 years. Change jobs. Some of you have been upset about everything they throw on you at work. That's promotion because you've done a good job. Some of you need to get help in your marriage. I don't, some of you need to get your finances in order. We're starting a class this season in the fall on finance. Some of you need to go to that finance class. I'm going to be doing a foundations class on the foundations of the gospel and the scriptures and then also leadership principles around our church. It's going to be, so we need to jump into that. I don't know what it is for you. I went to the airport and I was trying to fly a few years ago. I had a mint in my pocket. Had a little aluminum wrapper on it and it was like, boop, a little metal detector, boop. I could, they, they stopped me, patted me down for a York peppermint patty, somebody. Come on. I could I couldn't even get a York peppermint patty into the friendly skies. How do you think you could get all those dreams up into the heaven's gates and, and get all that past God's metal detector going into heaven? You don't think that God's going to pat you down? Jesus does not want to be a gold digger with you entering into heaven, trying to dig the gold out of your life. You should already have all that out of your life and present it to God. I don't want to be that person. I want to take all this, be drained of it all, not bury the gold in the ground and go, God, okay. I get this chance on the planet. Would you use our church? Would you use me? Would you use my family to do something for your glory? Let me pray for you today. I hope this helps. Father, thank you so much that you aren't a gold digger. You're a gold giver. That you deposit talents into our accounts, eternal opportunities. So many every day. Lord, I, don't, I pray for no condemnation today. I just pray for action. I pray for urgency. Lord, those two guys, it says they went at once. There was urgency. The one, he didn't go at once. Lord, I pray urgency would be our default today. Urgency as we walk out of these doors. Urgency with the talents you've given us. We dedicate, we commit to using the gold you've given us, the talents, the treasure. We're not going to fear. We're not going to procrastinate. We're not going to bury. We're going to build. 
We're going to build on what you've given us, God. Every family, every person. We're going to give account one day. And I pray, Lord, that would change the way we live day in and day out. If you're in this room, no one looking around just for a second today. If you've never given the ultimate treasure to Jesus, which is your life. Maybe you've never surrendered your heart to him. You know you've kind of dabbled with church or you've wondered about it or been around it, but you've never surrendered the treasure and the trust of your heart to Jesus to lead your life, to be the Lord of your life. You know he's God maybe, but you've never said, you know what, I surrender. I give my life to you. Lead my life. I can't do it on my own anymore. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been in love with Jesus in the past and you've walked away. You've kind of just said, you know what, God, I don't trust you anymore. Today's your day to come back. If you're watching online or you're in this room right now, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to make a fresh start with God. The Bible says that if you would put your trust into Jesus, the man that came here to this planet, lived perfect, went to a cross, died a horrific death, was ripped in half, shred to pieces for our guilt, shame, punishment, our sin, took it all to a cross, paid for it all, took all that on his shoulders, took my shame, my guilt, took all my mistakes, and then died. And didn't stop there. He rose from the dead to give me a fresh start with God, to give me a brand new life. If you're in this room or online and you say, you know what, pastor, I need a fresh start today. I'm actually ready to give him the treasure of my life, to trust him with my life. I'm tired of carrying all this weight and pressure on my own. I want eternity. I want to be a child of God, or I want to come back to God. That's you today. If you're watching online, just type in fresh start right now. If you're sitting in this room, just hold your hand up high to me right now. Pray for me, Pastor. I need a fresh start with God. I'm ready to give my heart and life back to him. This is my day. Come on, thank you for your boldness, sir. Thank you for your honesty, young lady. Thank you for your courage. I see that. The treasure of my life, my trust. He's not been my Lord. He's not been my master. I've kind of just played church. I want God. I need God. I need Jesus. Anybody else? Come on, hands across this house. Just pray a simple prayer with me. There's no magic in the words. It's just a prayer of surrender, faith from your heart, and surrender to Jesus. If you're watching online, you can pray this right there where you are. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, you are my treasure, and I'm yours. I believe that you died on that cross for my sin and my shame, my guilt. I turned from that life, and I turned to you today. For the rest of my life, I believe you are God, and you are the Lord. You rose from the dead. Would you give me your Holy Spirit and give me a brand new heart of flesh? Give me a new heart, Lord, to serve you and to walk with you the rest of my days. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise in this room. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.